Hi everyone, this is Charles Wiz in Osaka. And uh, Tony Silva, also in Osaka. And we are Two Teachers Talking, a podcast where Tony and I sit back, try to relax and talk about what we're doing, what we're learning, what we're experiencing, and hopefully talking about things that usually don't get talked about in teachers' rooms when teachers sit back and talk. Um, you can find us at Two Teachers Talking at iTunes and also our website, which is twoteacherstalking.com. And we'd love to hear from you at twoteacherstalking at gmail.com. And speaking of uh, getting in touch with us, I think um, we'd like to respond to a couple of our listeners' emails. And Tony, why don't you start with uh, one that we got? Well, we got uh, a few comments. One of them uh, was about uh, the uh, website, in fact, and there was a request for comments. And uh, we're considering it, but uh, I think for the moment we're going to stick with uh, the email form and talk about uh, the feedback that we get here on the show uh, rather than uh, be, put it on the website. Because uh, the website's um, you know a place to get the podcast. It's not intended to be a, a forum. Um, there's, there's so many, and there's other places uh, for that with much bigger audiences and uh, better places mm. better suited for it. So, uh, yeah, the web the web page is a place to download the podcast and uh, not uh, not a forum. So for the moment, for that. But if uh, people want comments, um, yeah, please let us know uh, by email. <laughs> okay. All right. And I think we also got another comment about when we were talking about dealing with classroom space and taking okay. students outside. Mm. Right. Ah, was, that's right. That's yeah, right. right. I think that's um, Allison's, right? That is Allison's. Yeah, and that was that was a that was a good point. That was a very uh, good point. Something that us, two guys would not think about, right? <laughs> would never think about. It. Two for East us, Coast yeah. guys who want to get a tan. <laughs> so it's a sunshine, fresh air. You get get out of the classroom, right? Um, and we were reminded that well, um, a lot of our students in Japan, and particularly the female students. Um, well, that's kind of their worst nightmare, being out in the sunshine. They actually spend a whole lot of money to prevent uh, that uh, that tanning process, whether it's parasols or cosmetics and right. treatments of all kinds for that, uh, you know, that oh-so-desirable white skin. Yes. Yes. Well, when I read that email, I thought, oh, there's continuing proof that I am an insensitive man and I have no idea <laughs> what women are thinking about. I just, well, I don't that's even not, get That's not what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know, well, I don't even want to go there, what you were thinking at that point. But I was reading that and I thought, God, I never even considered that. Right. And I know my wife, when she goes out, she takes a parasol and, you know, is very diligent about a sunscreen. Whereas, you know, I go out and I kind of think, OK, I've been out in the sun for an hour. Maybe it's time to prevent myself from getting burned. Right. All right. So good point. And also, um, George Trescott, who works over at Kinky University, emailed us um, talking about uh, the episode walking on water where george said that he was um teaching an autistic student oh, several years ago with actually the student um his mother waited outside of class to help him to get through his classes and succeed and it was interesting that we realized that george has a story we have stories and we realized that everybody has one of these stories probably more probably more than one yeah and that's, the, that's why it was such an interesting topic because yeah everyone's got a, a war story Right. And, you know, I thought mine was bad, but when George mentioned his, and I don't, you know, bad, I mean, yeah, you know, hard, this hard. hard, difficult, how do you adjust, right? And uh, I thought, wow. So just wanted to say thanks to George for bringing that to our attention. Um, and again, it comes down to, I think George said that he did, I think what we did, we put the students with an, other students to work with. Mm -hmm. And also you make yourself Good available, solution. Yeah. right? And then you have to make yourself available at lunchtime or whatever breaks to help those students, and hopefully that they make use of it. But, uh, yeah, what, what George uh, mentioned about having the other students that uh, is, is a real good point because um, that um, group, it's a cliche, but it's based in, in reality, that um, kind of group dynamics is something that's uh, built in uh, to a classroom situation with the kids. Um, coming from the United States, we tend not to recognize it, so readily, right. but it's a mm. great resource to draw on, um, yeah. especially mm. in a situation like that where you get them to, uh, you know, work together and mm. uh, direct that energy. It's 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 a resource they're waiting to be used. 
Right. And that's an example of where, you know, I know a lot of um, people who come to Japan really complain about the group mentality. Mm. They can't get mm. their students to think. And here's an example where you've got a tool just waiting to be used. And I, yeah, I, I mean, think... you're not going to change that group mentality. <laughs> right. You've you, you got to learn you got to learn to work with it. Exactly. And so if you can use it, then make use of it. And I know that I've used it I'm in the past with um, when I've had trouble with some students. Mm. And I've actually turned to the entire class and said, listen. You guys fix this problem. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. tired it's of this. we've got to remind ourselves because right. it's not right there for us, right? Right. It's not obvious. So I think some good things came out of that. So it's always good. So um, that's up from the episode Walking on Water where we were trying to do the impossible. Yeah. Thanks, George. Yeah, George, thanks, and thanks, Allison. We have two fans now, two listeners, <laughs> so well, actually, two responding actually listeners. We've got one more. We had um, um, Heather in the United States uh, uh, sent in an email uh, with the request um, – if she could use uh, some of our podcasts uh, in some of her teacher training, teacher development courses. And this is the episode called Blatant Self-Promotion. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we, you know, we get in the, we get in the feedback. Let's, uh, let's, let's do it. If we don't do it, nobody else will. So we got today's for a little bit. Yeah. Enjoy the enjoy the warmth. So today we're talking about an interesting topic, I think. After you get the job, how do you keep the job or how do you work effectively? Or I think as you put it so well, Tony, I wish I knew then what I know now and I still don't know enough <laughs> or something along those lines, yeah, right? Like that. Yeah, yeah that's one of those things that we have to keep reminding ourselves, right? Just about that group thing. But there, yeah, there's so much. There's so much, yeah. um, you know, making that transition to a new country and maybe some for some people a new job. Um, getting hired and started. The weirdness starts right like, often with the, the job interview itself. Exactly. And what we're going to be talking about today is kind of like how maybe more for people who are starting out, but there should be some things that are valuable for people who have been working for a while. But we want to just talk about um, how do you succeed in the situation of being a university teacher, either part-time or full-time in Japan. And I think um, I want to talk about that story I told you about, uh, Tony, where I um, got a, um, I had a connection and somehow I was able to get an interview for a part-time job over at Sophia University in Tokyo when I was living in Tokyo. Um, actually, I'm still living in Kanto most of the time. but And I went in for this interview, and this was with um, uh, the head of the English program, which is a very big program at Jochi. And... He said, welcome. And then he said, well, you know, Professor Wiz. Um, and he's a nice guy. I, I liked him right away because he addressed me as Professor, mm. you know, instead of Mr. And like that kind of, mm. but obviously, you know, spent time in the United States and was very comfortable or at least in Western countries. And he said to me, I noticed looking at your CV that you're very busy. And I said, yes, but, you know, Professor, you know, I'd be very happy to cut back on some of my work to have an opportunity to teach at, you know, Sophia because it's a good school. And the reputation of the school, he said, well, the reason I'm asking is that we have a full-time position opened up just today. One of our full-timers accepted a position at another school. And he says, I'd like to know whether or not you'd be interested in that position. And at this point, of course, you know, I'm grabbing my seat, trying not to jump up and down <laughs> out of the chair, right? You know, kind of going, God, I just walked into a full-time job. This is unbelievable. <laughs> and I said, yes, professor, you know, I'd be very interested in the position. And he said, good. Let's talk about the part-time position. That's <laughs> the <so> fast, <laughs> white man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and I, you know, it's funny, exactly, Tony, because uh, you, I think you nailed it, which is that I looked at him and I went, this is a really smart man. <laughs> I understand. And it, if I had not been in Japan at this point for maybe, it must be about 13, 14 years I would have said, no, professor, I'm really not interested in the part-time job anymore. I'd like to talk about the full-time job. And that interview would have been over because it took me that long to realize he wasn't really asking me or wanting to talk to me about the part-time job. He just wanted to see whether or not I would go along with what he was suggesting and would I be cooperative, mm -hmm. right? And I can't emphasize that enough that that is the primary reason you're going to be hired is that you're qualified you have the qualifications but are you going to be a cooperative person yeah very true very true it's a you kind of think that um when you're applying for a job looking for work uh that you know people are looking for the best teacher the best employee um that is so often not the case yeah 
Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I mean, <clears throat> a lot for in, in, for a lot of reasons, a lot of aspects, right? Um, in this case, and, and a lot of it, you know, is you know makes sense because in, in addition to just teaching ability, I mean, you do very often the person's trying to put together a team, and um, you've got to fit and. And they're looking for maybe a specific type of teacher, kind of teacher, um, as well as a specific type of personality. But um, one thing that you know, about Japan specifically, yeah, that um, that cooperation, that team player aspect is so huge here. Um, mm. it, it it overshadows your teaching ability. Mm. And I think in, in a certain way, especially for foreign teachers, it's not that you have to be like a team player as much as you just have to be cooperative yeah don't make waves right because and then you get angry say no they should hire me because i'm the most qualified person and then you think wait a second if i'm hiring i really want the most qualified person but if that person's going to be a troublemaker and you can take troublemaker in any way you want but i think if you've been here long enough people understand what i'm talking about you know you you want you don't want somebody who's constantly causing you know arguments and wanting to fight battles that are going to be lost right Right. And, uh, you know, and basically by definition in Japan, if it's a battle, you will lose. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And um, one, of the other, one of the other things that, again, is, is not obvious to, to the outsider, you know, about Japan, when, uh, when you are hired and uh, when you screw up, as you inevitably will, um, right. it's, 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 not, it's not really your problem. <laughs> it's the guy who hired you <laughs> that, that gets, gets crunched. Um, yeah, you won't even probably know. You, that you, you might not up. even hear about it, but oh, you he, probably he's won't getting hear about named it. a new one in the office somewhere for hiring you. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, that that kind of caution is built in. Um, and you know, the other thing that talked about, you know, hiring what people look at. Uh, you know, again, you're going to the job thinking about you know promoting yourself as, a, as an excellent teacher. Well, a couple of things about it is like one. The people who are doing the interviews very often are incapable of making that judgment. Your your native English speaker, mm. basically, that's good enough from mm. their perspective. Um, it's mm. very hard for a non-native speaker to look at a resume, look at an applicant, and make a intelligent decision about this person's abilities. So they rely very heavily on references on uh, you know other people recommending people um it's those quality the qualities that are obvious to us well, i would think was anyone listening to the podcast um are invisible and then and, and it's not not hard to understand if you look at it from the other perspective i mean um i de i defy you as a native english speaker speaker to make an intelligent decision on another person independent of their english ability <laughs> Which we often do. Right, absolutely. If they can speak English, they must be intelligent. Intelligent, and if they, and can't, if they can't, then, speak they, English, they must, then they're yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're in the we would be just as in the dark as they are with the interview. Right. So no surprise right. there. The other thing that, however, that might be surprising. I mean, we've talked a lot about this um, over the years, since, over and over and over again. Um, that should be the theme, over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. How the the not not the hiring system, but the whole foreign language system in japan is set up to prevent communicative linguistic competency um and Why i don't you explain and i'm not misspeaking right. <laughs> yes. yeah this the, the the system is i think your expression the system is rigged um the system with, with uh the right from the hiring to curriculum to the setup of classes um at almost at every turn the decisions that are made the way that it's set up uh is to prevent language learning why don't you explain that a little bit more for people who haven't been here because i think it's a hard thing to get that concept in your no, especially head. especially if you're not in japan so for example you know foreign language acquisition basics um why would you set a, a class up for to meet once a week for 90 minutes that you'll never you'll never learn anything if you look at the, the high school edu english education system um you would think that a basic requirement for an English instructor would be English competence. Um, people who teach English in junior high schools and high schools very often cannot speak English. Mm. Go on. <laughs> Go on, please. Yeah, on. and I think part um, of it here entrance is exams, that... the entrance, the way that they're tested, English that they're tested, the way that they're evaluated afterwards with tests like the ACAN or the TOEIC. 
um, do they test testing skills rather than foreign language? Um, and that's the way then classes become taught and the people are teaching to the test. Uh, it's uh, any aspect of the system that you look at, it's set up so to prevent English learning. It's, it's amazing. Okay. All right. So, um, I think that, you know, that's, tr we have to really clarify that too, in the sense that there's some schools that have really attempted to s try to deal with that issue. Oh, right? I would agree with that for you sure. Know, but yeah. I don't think that's a high percentage of no. the, the schools. And part of it also is when we look at it, that the whole way of the Japanese university system is geared is that students get a subject is a 90 minute class once a week. Have students have something like what? 12 classes a week? Mm. Of 90 minutes, whereas I think we're used to the three hours a week of class mm -hmm. in the United States, mm -hmm. at least when, you know, I was going. Yeah, smaller chunks and, and more repetition. More repetition, right, and spaced repetitions. So in that sense, that's what we say that, you know, the system just, it's almost impossible to make it work. Um, and then there's the whole culture of university as club med mm -hmm. for Japanese students, oh, right? Sure. That it's the yeah. four years that they get to play between the hard work that they did in high school and the hard work that they're going to do in companies. And so you're fighting the system that is like students are like, you give us more homework than any other teacher gives us. And this is what I heard from my students. And I said, <laughs> really? I said, I give you half an hour to 45 minutes of homework a week. She, they go, yes, that's the most amount of homework we have. Um, and so you're fighting this culture of no homework, um, right? And that students will actually come to school and say, class, say, I'm sorry, I forgot to do the homework. And they're shocked when you... Uh, um, expect it. You expect that, right? <laughs> yeah. So are serious about this? Um, um, yeah, and that's, that's, again, for someone not familiar with the, the system in, in Japan, um, really, a really big, big difference. And, I, you know, I've gotten to the point, I'm old and cynical and can't help snickering when um, someone's like starts comparing uh, Japanese classes, Japanese university classes to uh, uh, the university classes in their home country, whether it's United States, England, Australia. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's different. Um, the, for example, comparing it to the United States where our high school years are, our social t years, uh, kids are encouraged to be active in sports and clubs, activities. You've got the newspaper, you got the prom, uh, you got the football team, the basketball team, whatever, whatever your particular shtick is. Mine was protest. <laughs> <laughs> but that uh, was your that was your particular shtick. That I mean, was still my particular is, still, is, still is. <laughs> um, That's why we're two teachers talking. It should be two right. teachers protesting. Yeah, I doth protest. Okay, <laughs> and then and then. Our university years are generally our work years because you get out of a university, you graduate from university, and you get a job, and they expect you to work. Actually. I think Tony, I think we're dating ourselves. Well, I've been, I'm, I don't know, I'm reading stuff now where the average university student studies 15 hours a week. What well, seems like uh, a lot to me <laughs> after being here for 20 years. Well, after being here, but I remember yeah. that would be two days for me yeah. when I was a student. Yeah, I, mean, I remember was, uh, getting out of class, and it was eight hours of prep. To yeah. be ready for the next class. But I think you have to, that's one of the reasons why we say the system really is rigged. Because in Japan, right, you have to remember that most of your stu the students are really focused on their social network. Mm -hmm. Creating social networks, and that's a lot of what it's set up for. Well, yeah, fact, that's what it's set up for. These are their social years. Uh, here, the high school years are the work years because you've got, uh, your, your whole life is focused on the university entrance exam and getting into a good university. And once you get in, from their perspective, they're done. Right. The four years of university that now it's now it's party time, just like you said, club med. Right, and the interesting thing is that when you're being interviewed, right, this isn't really talked about. No, no one yeah. talks. No, no one. No one wants you. to really address it. <laughs> and I think I want to go back though to something you said before, Tony. Is that I think that for university work, there's two kinds of ways people get hired. One is by referral, mm -hmm. by connection, and the other is by committee when you don't know somebody. And those have very different implications, you were mentioning before, sure. right, for how you can actually behave and act in those universities, right? Mm -hmm. And especially if somebody brings you in, you must toe the line because, as you say, it doesn't reflect on you. It reflects on them. It's a heavy, heavy responsibility. It's and a, most yeah, people are, you, when you're new here, you're totally unaware of it. Yeah, I was unaware of that, no, too. No, we all were. 
right? And no one told what, us. Yeah, so what are the things? If somebody brings you into a job, especially a full-time job, you they have saved your life, basically. Yeah, and you're, you're beholden for life. You are beholden for life, and we mean beholden. So if that person actually says, um, I never want you to disagree with me in a meeting, which is basically part of what is the <laughs> which, you implicit... should, which you shouldn't have to tell you. <laughs> well, sometimes... I mean, if you're Japanese, that's not something you'd have to tell someone, but yes. Right. You know, that you um, you cannot do that. So actually, I, I used to get all my jobs through referrals. Mm -hmm. And the last few jobs I've gotten have been directly through interviews. Mm -hmm. And it's a relief. Mm. Isn't it? Right? It's Isn't a it? real relief that I can just, you know... Be who I am. Because as you said, you will screw up. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's the nature of the job and it's the nature of being um, in, not in your native culture. And it's my nature as a screw up that I'm going to screw up. But if you screw up, then the first thing, especially if you've been hired by somebody recommended, you go in and you report. Yeah. Right away, yep, explain, yep. say to that person, excuse me, I just want you to know I screwed up. This is what I did, and here's the context. And people will really appreciate it. Sure, but just, absolutely. But rule number one, if somebody brings you into a job, you have a totally different set of rules to play with. If you yeah. are hired by a committee, then I think, you know, the whole committee's responsible. Yeah. And, and uh, it's different. Fitting in with, with, with what you're saying, um, Actually, a big part of actually a big part of that is, and a part of it being in Japan, uh, is the importance of appearances, and that kind of even ties in with the, like the, the learning thing. So the learning isn't important; it's the appearance of learning. Um, mm. And in the meeting, for example, it's not consensus; not that you agree or disagree. What's important is that you appear to agree. That external uh, image, that uh, appearance, that seems here is so. From Western perspective, so unimaginably important. Mm. You know, well, look, that, looking like yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a good teacher or not. You got to look like a good teacher. <laughs> and I remember this is something that somebody I knew once said. Um, and if you've been here for a while, it makes complete sense. If you want freedom in Japan, follow the rules. Interesting, nice, right? Nice and it. It's really a very nice observation. And if you haven't been here, it makes absolutely no sense because it seems totally contradictory. Right. But it's actually really true. Follow the rules and you can do what you want. So for people coming in and especially when you're a young teacher, you're young, you're new to Japan or you're new to teaching and you want to change the world, hey, get a grip on yourself. And <laughs> remember, you you know, that, that appearance of being cooperative, you can't go in and try to change the system. And everyone who's been here for a long time, I think – has realized you can't change the system. And that's a mistake because one of the great things about being a teacher, and here's something that I cannot emphasize enough, and I think we agree, and anyone who's taught for a while is, you don't have to announce what you're doing in the classroom to there everybody. There you go. That, that right? classroom if has you a wanna, door. Right. If you want to make changes in the system, make it in your classroom. Yeah. No one's asking you to write out your lesson plans most of the time. Hmm. No one's asking you to write out um, what you did in class and make a report. Although one place where we both work together, a professor did ask me to say, hey, I'd like you to get the teachers to write daily reports about what they did. <laughs> I, I remember I looked at this person and I was just like, you have absolutely no idea how to manage people. And number two, we will lose every teacher. Every teacher will resign immediately upon hearing that. Or number three, you'll get you'll get blank papers. Yeah, it'll be right. The Zen reports. <laughs> so. Just you know, lose this thing about changing the system because you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do your teaching in the classroom and, you know, do it under the radar. No, and there's a lot you that, can that do. Quote that, the quote that you you, you mentioned it that, that just nails it, right? It's like you want to yeah. be free, follow the rules. I mean, that's it. Mm. Right, and so you know you have to look at it and realize that you will see job announcements that will um, want somebody to teach introductory English, oral communication, presentation skills to undergraduates, and they will say that a PhD is required. And it takes you a long time to realize that if you're applying for those kind of full-time jobs, they're not interested in how good of a teacher you are. They're just interested in your research record, mm -hmm. right? And even for, I know as a part-timer, people are asking for papers now. Oh, oh yeah, for a long time. Right. You yeah, know, and I, yeah. my attitude is, why are you asking me for my papers when I'm a part-time teacher? 
What does that have to do with my being a teacher? You're hiring me. I'm never going to list your name, right, on, as my institution. Why aren't you asking for lesson samples? Why aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I, did, I had an interview a couple of years ago where, uh, uh, yeah, this was just like the, the, the most extreme example of that that I've had since I've been here. It was, uh, it was for a part, part, it was for a part-time job, and uh, yeah, they wanted like all the research, and they wanted samples of all the research. I mean, I'm talking about going back to 1992, 94. Mm. <laughs> um, and this, again, this is part-time teaching. And, you know, halfway through the interview, I said, this is for a part-time position. I'm, I'm not mistaken, am I? Because, again, what what possible value of a research paper that I wrote 20 years ago, how is in that in any way reflect what I'm going to be doing as a, as a classroom teacher? You know, this was not for a right. full-time job. This was just for a classroom teacher. I'm teaching three first-year English conversation classes a week. Right. What possible implication? I mean, I mean, I've got it. I mean, I've got research coming out my butt, but um, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah. Well, I think again, that's for for people who are getting into it. I mean, I remember when I started out um, that I thought people were hiring me for my teaching, mm. and after a while, I realized I was be being interviewed by people who were not necessarily educators; they mm. were academics. Mm. And there was a very big difference between an educator and an academic. Mm -hmm. And I would be sitting there and I'd realize I was talking to three, four academics. And by the way, the first time you do interview, you know, I think we're used to the American, or I was used to the American <laughs> system that I'm going to sit down with one person. Yeah, there we go. Right. Everybody's got this story, right? <laughs> right. Everybody's oh, got God. this story. Yeah. I mean, my favorite story is actually somebody goes in for an interview and they're, they're told to wait outside in a waiting area. Um, and then the person says, please come in. And they're brought into an auditorium and they are up on the stage at a table. And there are like 30 people on the hiring committee sitting in the chairs in this, you know, cavernous auditorium. All right. right. All right. No one's going to believe this, Charles. No one's going to believe this. But it's true. <laughs> Except it's one of those things where if you've been in Japan, everybody goes, yep, I got it. Oh. And I remember the first time I went into an interview where there were 10 people. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. We've both been on both sides of this. Right. Oh, you man. Know? Yeah. And uh, but, well, come uh, come later in the year, we'll do a whole episode on uh, on the fun of <laughs> looking for work here. And uh, we, yeah, we've I, we've got some stories. Right. And we stories. also they're, could, they're, they're a trip. Right. We can also talk about the fact that we've both done hiring. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Been, and actually, yeah. that's a good time maybe to switch over and say, you know, what would somebody like when we were looking for people mm. what were we looking for just to give a contrast i think mm. to you know what usually right that you have academics who are hiring you and they're looking at your your <clears throat> um, academic record they're looking at your publications um when you were hiring what were you looking for i would uh i was actually kind of lucky i was um when i was working in the uh United States. I was uh, at a university in uh, both student affairs and admissions, and part of my job there was uh, working with admissions to a graduate program in uh, social work, and had a lot of experience looking at people's um, applications and their um, written statements as you know why they wanted to pursue a career in social work, etc., etc., etc. But one of the things that I learned there from one of my mentors um, in reviewing the applications is to look. Um, Specifically in social work, they were looking for evidence of leadership. Um, but when I came to Japan was and was uh, doing hiring, one of the things that I picked up and you know tweaked for my my own use here was when looking at people's resumes or doing the interview, um, look for the thing the the non teaching things that they've done. So when you're not working, when you're not teaching, what are you doing? Are you have you know have you done volunteer work? Um, are you doing anything that is related to a kind of human helping capacity? Because, and the reason that I, and the reason that I was looking for those things was because this was not at a university. This was at a, at a semongako, which, um, for out, if you're outside of Japan, is kind of a cross between a technical school and a junior college. 
mm. and uh, it, we the, the student body was not your your academic stars, let's say. So there were this was uh, again when um, getting into universities was difficult for uh, for high school students, and uh, the kids we were teaching are the ones who couldn't make it. Um, a lot of them were not there by choice. So uh, it was a the teaching was a was a challenge, and it needed. Someone who was really good with people, good in the classroom. It, it really did take a special kind of person. So, mm. uh, in looking at their um, with their resumes, I'm looking for the kind of person that could handle those kinds of students. And so that's what I was looking for there. Right. Um, yeah, people who had done like volunteer work, big, big, big plus. Um, any kind of teaching or experience, big. And, and who were they teaching? Yeah, the, the last thing I looked at is that you know their you know their where their master's degree was from or if they had the master's degree or uh, those kinds of things. So you did everything backwards according to the usual system because I know that when I was hiring um, with for a program, the coordinated program we both worked at, Mm -hmm. that I had absolutely no interest in people's publications, Mm. right? I had zero interest in that. That I was just looking for good classroom teachers, yeah, because nine nine times out of ten, the research that we do, we do because we have to. It's really right. You know, it's pub- right. publisher parish here. Well, no, as well. I, I think uh-huh. right. I, no, I think that there are people who really are into research. Mm. But I think both you and I would consider ourselves to be educators, teachers. Right, right, and that's right? And we, that's what we were. That's looking the primary for, focus. Right? Mm. And so the thing to remember is that a lot of times people are not looking for educators; they're looking for fellow academics. Mm. So you have to be able to figure out what the situation is. You have to look at the school, what's the reputation, what's the level. And uh, you have to be able to meet those needs. And that also, especially if you're starting out, um, I, there was a certain point where I had to look help somebody find teachers for their business, right? Mm. They were starting um, kind of a, a business for teaching English, and they asked me to help them in their interviews, right? And because it was a new business, they wouldn't be able to pull in very – you know, experienced teachers, they had to look at young people who were just coming over, right? Which mm-hmm. is a big part of, a, you know, the English conversation school um, work pool, right? Mm. And I, I turned to them and I said, okay, all you do, first thing, you have to have what are called the, uh, the important questions, right? The question that you ask that you get no points, you get zero points for answering it correctly. But if you can't answer it correctly, the interview's over. Right? right, that tells you whether or not and these actually happen in interviews, right? Mm-hmm. And for this person, I said, just simply ask somebody, why is it a three-day weekend, not a three days weekend? Mm. And it's a simple grammar question mm. that, and the person found out that ninety percent of the people they were interviewing could not answer the question properly. So one of the things you got to do is you got to get up on your grammar, because people will want to know how well you understand grammar, because mm. that's an important thing here. Um, make sure you've got your bases covered, that you know some basic theory, right? You know who the big players are in the field. Make sure you've read a little bit. It's not. It's a very different thing, especially if you're um, trying to move from Akaiwa, right, mm. into the university system. Yeah, very different. That you've got to know who you got to know some of that theory. And I think now at this point, by the way, a master's is the minimum requirement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. And so, if I strongly suggest that people, even if they are teaching in the system, Right, that yeah. they try to get their masters while they're working. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. So yeah, we, yeah. So we'll get into the um, you know the the hiring process a little bit right. closer to the hiring season. Maybe kind of get some of these other just throw out some of these other uh, ideas of things that um, again some of those things that aren't really obvious. To people who are just getting here and right. find okay. that struggling with like um, for example, we're talking about being a better teacher. Um, no one's ever, uh, no one's ever going to pay you more because you're an excellent teacher. Mm. You're never going to get paid more money for being an excellent teacher. The only thing you get more money for is teaching more, good or point. teaching at a, at a school that pays more. But um, that kind of reward's going to have to come from inside. It, it's not mm. going to be monetary, um, right? And that's not to poo-poo it. I mean, it's not to dismiss it. Uh, it's why we're still doing what we're doing. But um, yeah, it ain't for the money, right? Right, that's um, why you find a lot of people teaching four coma a day. Yeah, and uh, well, that's me. I got uh, three days with four coma, but uh, yeah, and the external reward is uh, it's it's very rare. Um, if uh, you're very good and you're very lucky and you need both, um, you'll get some of that from your students. Um, I'm lucky enough right now to be getting uh, a lot of positive feedback from my students, and it's wonderful. 
Um, but um, you can't count on it. You can't assume it. And there's, you know, there's a lot of classes I don't get that from. <laughs> believe me. Um, mm. But um, but that's what that's what you have to work for. It's got to come from inside. Right. Right. It's very true. Um, yeah, you know. And you're right that you're not going to get necessarily rewarded for better teaching. Yeah. The other thing that you you have to be, I think, also be aware of, uh, and when you're younger, is that ageism is a is a fact of life here. And it works for you and against you. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, you'll you'll be amazed at how many jobs um, have it, it requ- black and white, right up front, uh, under forty. That's right. <laughs> under forty. <laughs> Do you know anybody 40. under forty other than the people you teach? No, <laughs> um, no, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, they, they got yeah. old too. So strange, strangely enough. Um, right. Once upon a time. Uh, only, only the it was, you know the outliers were the union uh, people, but you know, the times have changed here, and um, I don't say that it's absolutely necessary to join a union, but it might. It's certainly worth considering, and it might be the smart move. Uh, times are tight in Japan. Times times at the school, um, they can be valuable in protecting your butt. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing because I go back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some schools that just treat people well, and they're known mm-hmm. for that, Yes. right? And those schools, you know, you'd have to say, no, no, there's no need for that. Right. And, you know, you've been treated properly, you've been treated well. and But there are other schools that have absolute little or no concern at all or consideration for people. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it's like the old case-by-case thing, right? You know, you have yeah, to really look yeah. at the situation. And, I mean, I've seen both sides where, you know, unions really have helped um, when somebody has lost their job. And you and I both know of a specific instance where somebody was actually not renewed, I think, yeah. after one year of working because yeah. they just didn't do a very good job at all. And they actually went and got the union, and the union people actually ended up getting them severance pay. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, they, they protect that's, the, but that's they the, unusual the bad situation. teachers as well as the good ones, you know? Right, right, right. So I don't want to get into whether, you know, I mean, I believe that... No, it's maybe a whole, are, a whole episode all by itself, you know? Well, yeah, but unions, unions are, you know, necessary for, you know, situations where you're not being treated properly. Sure. So... Yeah, and it's, um, it's, you know, it's not that the, the schools, you know, and again, some of the schools really do teach their teachers well, but mm, big bulk of it, it's not, they're not out to get you. They're not to kill you, but hmm. it's, um, but they just school from a school point you're you're invisible they don't care um uh we think maybe from a coming from a more humanistic standpoint that someone in the management administration the scheduling things we have some consideration for you know the teacher convenience or lack of pain or anything else no room suitability um scheduling times it's not that they're hostile. They just mm. don't care. You're, you're, you are equipment. Or it's not even in their you're consciousness. Machine. You're a machine. Yeah. You don't, you don't warrant like the, any human consideration is just that never. Ne- and, and bringing it up the question, they'll be surprised. It's like, uh, uh, what <laughs> you, you don't, it's a problem for you to have a first and a fourth period class. Well, uh, what's the problem? Mm. Um, it's just the, the yeah again we talked about you know the, who are the people who are making the decision just have never been in that other side of the fence and you know certainly lack the empathy right well part of it also is that you're you're basically your name is on a little wooden chip mm. right yeah on a ske- on a giant scheduling mm. board that is just being moved around yeah and, and it's uh, the chip the, the, the fact uh, that it represents a human being never crosses anywhere there's behind. a there's a there's a place in the schedule that needs to be filled yeah right but those you know can happen yeah. so okay anything else you want to add to uh, for people when you're just young, starting out, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're young, when you're whatever, young. however, however much money you think you're not making, start saving. <laughs> Say, start saving your money today, not tomorrow. Put, today, and, um, and, think about retirement. And the put money into the Japanese pension system. T- anything, <laughs> anything. Well, no, there's the thing because now uh, Japan and the United States have a cross pension. I don't know what it's officially called, right? Yeah. But the money you put into the Japanese pension system works towards your Social Security. Yeah, well, if you're American, right? I right. know that that works with the Germans. <laughs> That's not reassuring, right. is it? Though? Well, well, it, <laughs> but it, somehow something. I mean, you know, whatever yeah. it is, think about it. Anyway, the time goes by 
so much. I mean, I can't speak to the you know the pros and cons of you know private investment and Social Security and other retirement plans. Um, I've made my own bad decisions and I'm living with them. But uh, whatever you do, think about it when you're young. It's too late when you're old. Mm. Think about it now, today, right. today, right. today, today. Okay. <laughs> um, oh. And um, yeah, I don't know anything else. I'm thinking when you're starting out, um, try to write. If you work at a school that allows a part-timer to publish, yeah. take it, take advantage of that because getting a couple of publications under your belt, as we just mentioned, the publications will get you into the interview. Yeah, yeah. It, it becomes – and when you're looking at stacks of resumes, someone who's got five publications, someone who's got two, it's that – it, it right. it's got nothing to do with what, what's happening, but it's a, it's a discriminator. It, it's an right. it's, it's objective – Measurement. measurement that they can make a decision on and they can then justify their decision later on right and do not confuse papers and presentations mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the other one people really don't look at how many presentations you've done yeah, yeah. it's really yeah. the papers yeah. so take advantage of any university that allows you to publish as a part-timer if you're a part-timer um, try to find a niche right some thing that you found that is interesting uh, and also try to make it reasonably cutting edge if you can. Yeah, yeah, right? something that'll so, last. Right, you know that you have a little niche that you're doing that some people are not doing, and that'll get you noticed. Yeah. Um, and other than that, I think just uh, you know try to work with people, fit in the system. Don't try to make waves um, because you can do everything you want to do in the classroom. Don't get disappointed with um, the nature of the beast. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with, like, yeah, we talked a lot today about the, you not being able to change the system or overcome the system um, and maybe just kind of reiterate and underscore and, and expand on another point. Well, in that kind of situation, well, what do you do? How, how do you – this doesn't sound like a deal. Um, well, again, like the quote that you had was, like, if you want freedom, follow the rules. And, talk, and I mentioned about appearances. Um, just a reminder that – you know, you're a teacher in a classroom. Your classroom has a door, mm. and that door <laughs> is very, very important. Remember that the door closes, and what happens outside and what happens inside um, are really very different worlds. You can keep your teaching experience and your your the learning experience for your students isolated and a, a very nice, clean, special thing, completely free of the a lot of the externals. Uh, don't get bogged down with a wacky syllabus and wacky curriculum that doesn't make any sense. You look at it carefully without breaking into the rules. You can manipulate that. You can change that uh, and work within its structures uh, to do what you want and what's good for you, what's good for your kids. Right. Uh, it's, it's, remember, it's your classroom. Right. And you are going to be in situations where people hand you the syllabus. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you just manipulate it, just work it. Right. And accomplish what you want to accomplish, but also take a look at what people want you to do and still do that. Yeah. But you got yeah, a you lot got of freedom. And it's amazing after a few years how much you can do yes. with what you've been given. Yes. But yes. that takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of to. time, yeah. But, uh, right. yeah, just realizing that, you know, in that kind of situation, you know, you've got some external goals that you have to meet. Um, you got you set up your own goals, too. And that's where you get your satisfaction. You set up a goal. Yeah. And you work as hard as you can to achieve it, and you achieve it, and there's your satisfaction. Right. And I think I'd add to this that this took me a long time to figure out how to work. But if you, let's say, have a situation where somebody gives you a syllabus and you don't know how you can teach it because either it's not been put together in the best way or it might not make sense to you, don't go in and argue it. <laughs> go in, make some time, talk to somebody, say, I'd like to get some assistance in achieving the goals and doing what the syllabus sets out to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you will find out most of the time that a person will say, well, if you can't do this, that's okay. We don't expect you to accomplish everything, but whatever you do, do not go in and argue. Always go in and ask for advice. Yes, yes, yes. It's right? uh, one of the, yeah, never argue. I, and, I, you know, that old expression, the, the, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. I wish I could say they are not in Japanese, but it, it's so true. Um, yes, I didn't believe it, but it's it so is true. really true. You cannot resist a hammer. And the other part, the other part that you that you just said is is also equally true and poignant and not obvious. 
asking for advice, asking for help here. Whereas, you know, and I think in our culture, it's like it's something that you hesitate to do because it's an imposition. That or is it means a, you that don't is, know. Yeah, this is a great social lubricant here. Asking somebody for help is a, a sign of respect. Um, it, yes. set, it's, it sets up a, a balance of uh, obligation that people are very comfortable with here. Um, asking for help, asking for advice, is, uh, uh, those are among the, the best things you can do for yourself. You make right. some real. That's how you make friends. Yeah, it's a good point, Tony. Because I forgot. I've been here so long yeah. that I forget that when you go to someone and <clears throat> it's not a weakness here. Yeah. To say, excuse me, how would you like me to do this, or can you make some suggestions to help me achieve this? That you are showing respect to that person yeah. is what's called your senpai, your yes. senior. Yes. Yeah. And as everybody knows, everyone loves to be respected. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a sign of respect Absolutely. here. It is not a means that you don't know. And I know that for in my current situation that I have my, my senpai, my mentor there. Mm. And once a year, at least, I go – actually, at the end of every semester, I walk in and I say, Sensei, have I screwed up so far? <laughs> <laughs> and he does not see that as a negative. No, no. He no. sees that, that I care that sure. I'm – And you're asking you know, him. Try, I'm asking it's him that you yeah. you are the measure. And he always smiles and he goes, not yet, but you will. <laughs> I feel like cool. it's something that's, right, it's a scene out of a movie, hmm. right? So those are, that's a really good point, Tony, that go to people, show that sign of respect mm. and ask them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so I think we're getting a little bit into a long episode here. But by the way, Tony, I forgot to mention that um, I thought this was really funny, our last episode about losing it. Ah. That, that was really <laughs> funny, <laughs> right? If it, um, you've listened, you know that we talked about what do you do when you lose it, and yeah, we did we a whole here episode. Pontificate about oh yeah, with a, with well, I breathe deeply, I stay calm, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you and I on the next Monday we both lost it to our class in our classes, the next right? Monday, the next Monday, a couple of days later, jeez, oh. there I was, right? And I think for me it was that my students like just didn't do the homework and they had no regrets, uh, and I went yeah. into. You know, and I went into, and I have to, by the way, what I'm saying, I'm losing, it means that I go into my, my desperation lecture about your future, about mm. their future, right? Mm. You know, it's like, I spend 10 minutes talking to them that, hey, you know, you look at, you, you guys got to get this. This is your only chance to really succeed, right? You're going to be competing with people from all over the world for jobs, you know? Mm. But it was pretty funny. You said to me, I think, what was the email that you said? You said, ironically, I lost it, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think my response was, ironically to your ironically, <laughs> I lost it too. Incredible. Yeah. It was funny, you know, but I didn't think about it until you sent me the email that yeah. we had done the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So whether always... or not, so whether or not the podcast relates to anybody else's real life teaching experiences, I now know for a fact that it relates to mine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This was my, my experience was, uh, actually, actually it's kind of, kinda, for me, it kind of saddening because it, it's a, it was a, it's a big class. It's like 35, 40 kids, um, lower level. And there's two groups of girls in the back that just, this beginning of class, they just would not engage. They just would not stop. They, they're, they're turned away from the front of the class. They're just turned in a little circle and they're just jabbering away. And you, you begin the class and you're ignored, and you start again, and you're ignored. They just would not engage. I didn't really lose my temper, but it was a it was a deliberate performance. You know, I, I mm. perform. I, I popped in, I screamed, and I yelled, and I and I'm watching their reaction. And the sad part is, this isn't the first time that this has happened to them. This they were comp they were not scared. They were not. This is something they're used to. Mm. This is something that they were used to. And sadly, I mean, they they understood and they it was effective. But this is what th this group this is what they know. Yeah, um, that's maybe the sad maybe part. from home, uh, they they you know, I try you know as you know we talked at length about losing it and we, all the thing, all our strategies nothing worked. I mean, this was mm -hmm. a week five, I think four or five. Right. Um, nothing had worked with these guys girls. Um, Ah, and it was effective. Right. I'm flummoxed. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I, <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I found that my situation was just that the students just hadn't done the homework and kind of a little bit, 
as I said before, they, you know, just were like surprised that I was upset. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I had to just explain to them, right, that you have to think about your future and that Japanese education and corporate life and employment opportunities are not what it used to be 20 years ago, yeah, where yeah. once you got into a school, that determined what kind of job you got. Mm -hmm. And the difference is now, even if you go to a good school, mm. it doesn't mean you're going to get a good job because mm. now you're competing with people who are fluent in Japanese and are coming from other countries and want to take advantage and have come from cultures where hard work is rewarded. But we could get into that whole thing about the attitudes of work with um, the current generation, uh -huh. which is right. But I, I think I sound like my father and mm. my father's generation and my professors. Do you remember how your professors used to say, you guys don't know anything. You guys don't know any Latin, do you? In my time when we were students, <laughs> I think we're part of that, <laughs> that you know, 2000 year old uh, tradition of uh, Western teaching, right? And a fine one it is. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead. Let's have an episode on defining what that means. Although somebody said it best, whereas if you could resurrect Socrates and put him into a modern-day classroom, he'd probably feel perfectly at home. Hmm. That there's been almost no change hmm. in how we actually run classrooms. So that's another topic in and of itself. There we go. And, well, Tony, what do we have scheduled for our next topic? Um, we're going to talk about uh, something that we're about, <laughs> <laughs> we're about to embark on ourselves, but the, the mid-semester blues. Um, uh, you know, yeah. we're getting the point, you're uh, kind of, things are warming up, um, getting kind of busy the midterms uh, your your shtick is maybe getting a little stale with some of your students are not responding the way they did at the beginning of the semester and so uh, how do you cope with that i mean what do you do in the classroom what do you do um you know just for yourself you know to, to pick okay. yourself up get yourself going right and just the the nature that that's a very natural thing in yeah. many ways Right, and that for them it's a hard thing too, right? Especially given the weather patterns we have in this country. Yeah. June is a tough month. Yeah. June is a tough month. Okay, so I think we've covered quite a bit. So I okay. want to say thanks, Tony, as always. It was fun. And yeah. please and remember. Uh, TwoTeachersTalking.com. And right. uh, for the email, TwoTeachersTalking at gmail.com. Right. And we look forward to hearing from you and getting your comments and your feedback. And yeah, please remember please. that you can get our podcast on iTunes as Two Teachers Talking. Just plug it into the search and you will see us there. Okay. So have a good weekend, Tony, and I look forward to uh, finding out how you're dealing with the blues. <laughs> yeah. uh, there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. Okay. And there we have Okay. All right. Have a good week. Okay. We'll talk to you. you see you. Bye.